Updog fella. Look good, feel good, play good. We got some new Adidas golf swag coming the fella's way. I don't know if any new golf swag would help your game, but, but I love it. Adidas is excited to introduce new offerings within the go-to apparel collection that allows you to bring your style to the golf course. Not the traditional golf uniform. Go-to brings a fresh attitude to the game wherever you play. You'll look good on and off the course while enjoying all the technical benefits that let you play your best. Featuring streetwear-inspired style, the go-to collection rewrites all the rules and encourages you to express your style through every swing. Explore the new go-to collection on adidas.com golf. Fella. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. It's worked out so far because I'm basically crushing it. <laughs> it has always been the Hayes brothers or Jimmy and Kevin. 
We went to St. Anne's together. We went to Nobles together. Boston College. We were even in the same organization in the NHL. I sometimes wonder if my brother got annoyed with me for following, following him every step of the way, but those of you who know him well knew that he would not have wanted it any other way than for us to grow older and face new challenges together. Jimmy was my role model. He was a big brother that everyone would want. He would go out of his way to make sure I was comfortable in every situation. For example, when I first arrived at Nobles, I was a city kid entering a fancy preppy school with kids who were much smarter than I was. No one knew how nervous and scared I was to go to school almost every day. I wanted to transfer to a different school where all my friends were. My dad would drop us off and Jim would head up to the upper school and I would head to the middle school for another day of nervousness. For almost the entire first month of seventh grade, at least three times a day, when I was switching from classroom to classroom, Jim would be there with a hug or a high five just to make sure I was doing okay. At the time, I didn't realize how much strength and comfort he brought me during those times. Jimmy always taught me to stand tall and to try to be the best version of myself while helping others. I honestly think the only time my brother was focused on himself was when he spent countless hours at the driving range with almost 12 different swing coaches trying to fix his huge slice. It is safe to say he never fixed it, but if you ever played golf with Jim, you got the play-by-play -play on what his swing thought was for his next banana slice. Jimmy loved playing golf because he got to spend four to five hours with his friends while basically talking the entire time. I sometimes was convinced that he would play bad on purpose so he could spend an extra 30 minutes with his, with his friends that he was playing with. So hopefully he's in heaven hitting 300-yard bombs. When, when people think of Jim, there are a few words that come to mind immediately. Caring, loving, funny, genuine, loyal, kind, determined, and a bunch of others as well. Like I said before, the best thing that I remember about my brother is how he would put others before him. He wanted everyone around him to have a good time. He wanted everyone to be happy when he, whenever he was around. Jim would walk into a room and suddenly everyone in that room would be having a better time because Jim had arrived. Everyone in this church is a better person for having known my brother. Jimmy was a son, a husband, a father, a brother, a friend, a teammate, and a role model for many little kids in this neighborhood. Jimmy was a son. My parents could not be happier with the son they raised in Jimmy. And Jimmy could not be more proud to be their son. But there was nothing that Jimmy was more proud of than his wife, Kristen, and his two sons, Bo and Mac. The day he met Kristen, his life changed forever. Throughout my life, I had the privilege of spending more time with Jim than anyone else. He had a smile on his face for almost his entire life, but his smile was never brighter than at home with his wife and his baby boys. This was evident when he came across a friend that had any sort of kids. He would say, how cool is it being a dad? Jimmy loved his boys and Kristen so much. Kristen, thank you for making my brother the happiest guy on this earth. Although we know nothing will ever replace Jimmy, we all promise to do our part to get you, Bo, and Mac through this difficult time. We love you. We'll always be here for you. And you're always family. Jimmy Hayes' story doesn't end today. It's only the beginning. 
Jim left a blueprint for us all. Through his actions, he has taught us to be a better friend, a better brother, better son, husband, and father. He has brought so much joy to all of us. It is now time for the thousands who showed up today and yesterday to spread that joy to one another. The way to honor my brother Jimmy's passing is to ensure his legacy endures. Is to be a, bit, a little bit more like Jim, to include more, to uplift more, to laugh more, to give more, and to love more. Before I go, I'd like to leave you all with an Irish blessing. Death leaves a heartache no one can heal. Love leaves a memory no one can steal. My dearest Jimmy, I cannot believe I'm standing up here today celebrating your life a month after our three-year wedding anniversary. These past eight years together were the best of years. Through the highs and the lows, you and I always remain constant. You decided to leave the game you love and your new job became dad. You gave me the two best boys in the world, but we weren't finished. You were simply the best. There is no other way to put it. The best husband, son, uncle, brother, friend, but most importantly, dad. The boys and I were your whole world and you made sure we were always reminded of that. Honestly, nothing I can even say right now can come close to how I feel, but here it goes. Your goal each day was to make us happy and maybe get a quick 18 in. Every morning you would wake me up with, hi, big mama, or big mama looking hot, when I literally had just opened my eyes. You were my biggest cheerleader in every aspect of life, but especially when I became a mom. You would write me little notes here and there saying how lucky the boys are, I'm their mom, but at the same time, felt bad they were gonna have the hot mom at the pickup line in school. In reality, I was the luckiest girl to be married to such an amazing, incredible, genuine, handsome, loving man. You had a heart of gold. You made everyone you talked to feel important, welcome, and loved. You always had me laughing to the point of tears when usually it was just the two of us in the kitchen. It was so fun becoming a parent with you. You were never embarrassed to do whatever it would take to make our kids feel comfortable. From victory dances at swim lessons, to dressing up on Halloween, to making school drop-offs a dance party. You were just the biggest hype dad of all time. Bo watched every little thing you did. I know every time he gets a putt in, you're up there smiling. I'm so happy that Bo's first time on skates is with you. I'll try my best to fill your shoes, but it's nearly impossible. You had such a close, unique relationship with each of our siblings. Anytime any of them had a question or favor, you were there. Family was everything to you since the day we met. I remember when we first started dating, you said, good luck getting my sister's approval. <laughs> Your sisters took me right in as one of their own, and I will forever be grateful. Kevin, you may have been the little brother who looked up to Jimmy, but he looked up to you in more ways than you know. He would drop anything to hang out with you. He just loved being around you. There wasn't a question in his mind that you were gonna be the godfather to Bo the second we found out we were pregnant. Anytime you, did, anytime you did something, he was like, Chris, note that for the best man speech. The relationship you guys had was pretty special. Brian and Casey, you were both brothers to Jimmy. 
You, it made me so happy seeing you guys do stuff without me. He always said, okay, I'm definitely the funniest in the family, but Brian's up there. Casey, you guys had a bond like no other. He always said he saw himself in you. You could do no wrong in his eyes, except when it came to bets. He always said, I'm gonna text Casey and see who he, he took and take the opposite. <laughs> it's the little things that I will miss the most. The sound of your voice, your smile, your energy, the way you took such pride in our boys, and the high fives at 8 p.m. once the kids were down. You would slap my butt when I was in the middle of juggling like 10 things, and I'd be like, Jimmy, can you not? And just the other day, you turned to me and said, hey, you're gonna miss that one day. And boy, that couldn't be more true. Your smile was infectious. Your hugs and kisses were one of a kind. And those dance moves, let's just hope our boys don't take after us. <laughs> this weekend, before you were taken from us, we spent every second together as a family of four. Our Bowie turned two, the two most incredible years of his life. Each night, Bo looks at my phone, at the background of my phone and says, good night, daddy, I love you, before he goes to sleep. I know you're already watching over both him and Mac. It's only been a week, but I've learned that in the face of tragedy, our community really comes together. Both of our families are some of the most dependable people I know. I'd be lost without them. We have some of the greatest friends that a person could ask for. You were my soulmate and the best dad to our Beau and Mac. I will make sure they know our love story, and I know they will continue to honor your legacy as they grow. Our time together may have been cut short, but our love will last a lifetime. You were so very special, Jimmy. Heaven has gained an angel. I love you the most forever. You know, this team was built on, uh, on being glue guys. And Obi, you can, you can attest that uh, you know, Jimmy Hayes, you might not have known this going in, but I think you do now. Um, the ultimate... The ultimate glue guy, uh, which is why this thing just doesn't seem real. It doesn't seem like we're, um, it doesn't seem like we're we're living reality when we're sitting in a studio or we're flying to Boston for for your service. That was absolutely incredible. You know, I met one of his buddies. Uh, I got it written down here. His name was Paul Carey. Uh, I'm not sure if he was Broadway's roommate at Boston College, but Mac Ellen introduced him to him uh, at local there in Southie. And, um, you know, how much um, missing curfew uh, met to Scoopsy was pretty cool. And, um, you know, so obviously it's it's really hard up, dog. Um, but, man, he was, he was the best. And, and his parents, his mom and dad, uh, he called her Big Mama, Big Kev. Um, she told a great story when we were leaving the hall. <laughs> so she gave me a big hug. She's like, Shane, I know I didn't really know you that well, um, but Jimmy loves you. Jimmy loved missing curfew and all oh, Scotty come here. He's like, every, when Jimmy first went to Florida, every time he'd call home, he'd be like, Mom, Scotty Upshaw this, Scotty Upshaw that. Finally, I was like, who the fuck is this Scotty Upshaw guy? <laughs> so, our boy. Coming in hot coming and in heavy. Fucking He's ice, so hot right now. Coming in ice cold. Coming in fucking <laughs> cold. Colder than fucking the KHL in January. Broadway. Oh. What's up, Scoopsy? Boys, this has <laughs> got to be one of the worst gambling fucking 
runs I've ever gone on. It's gotten to the point where I started betting soccer, and I can't even win those fucking things. I'm just sitting there scratching my head. I did, I did take Tampa last night, so a little bit of a win, but I, I'm in a hole that I've never been in. I just, I thought I could get out of it, and I just I'm keep digging it. Were were you posting last night too? Did like you, you gotta let the people know. You gotta well, let whenever them know. you're trying to get out of this yeah, I, out of this hole, you gotta let them know. So I was trying to I was trying to I got I got to admit something. Let us know, buddy. Let game it all seven. Out. Let <laughs> it all seven. out here. Game seven. I I I tweeted out we're taking uh, the Islanders, and did you not I take just, them? Just. I, I, I took the Islanders, but I took him at plus one and a half, so I fucking won that bet. So I had a little oh, secret plus one and a half there, okay. boys. So, wow. So for the people, our poor, our poor listeners. Yeah, for the people following the Scoopsy Parlay Cafe. It was last second. We it apologize. was last second. It was like sitting there. It's like puck drop, and I'm like, fuck, Tampa's going to win this game. But they're, I thought for sure. I actually tried to bet a draw, too, so that I didn't win that one. But, it, hey, it's going to get going. I was trying to fill out the series last night, and – did you feel it out I, all right? I think Montreal. Yeah, Montreal is in trouble, <laughs> so that means, that means my gambling is going to be in trouble here. But I, I think the under is going to start hitting often now. There's no way you're going to score five goals on Carey Price each night. You know, they got Riley Smith, who uh, fuck Boston would probably love to have that Oh, guy, my they, God, Jimmy? man. Boston, the Bruins, <laughs> fuck. If they just let me stay in South Beach, but instead they had to go straight up. Me for Riley Smith. I can just picture some guy. Fucking calling in the Boston radio. Hey, this is Charlie from Wareham. First time caller, long time listener. I can't believe the fucking Bruins traded away Riley Smith or Jimmy Hayes. I know it's August, it's Red Sox season, but we're fucking playing hockey. And I would love to see fucking Riley Smith back. Pass Knox heard. This is fucking bullshit. All right, Charlie, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Jimmy, fuck that. You were, I mean, I was yeah, with fuck, you those I had 13 two years. tucks that one year. Hey, how about those Bruins, huh? Here we go, Bruins. Here we go, bump, bump. Scoring uh, six goals against six to nothing. Tuca gets the fucking shutout. Oh, Jimmy! Hey, he's got a goal. Anytime he fucking scores, I'm pitching this right now. At the TD Bank North Wells Fargo Center, whatever the fuck they call it. The old, the new Boston Garden. Anytime Jimmy Hayes scores, they should show that clip from Goodfellas. With Ray Liotta in the shower going, ah, Jimmy, you got to do it. Everybody loves Goodfellas. And who doesn't like it when a seven-foot fucking winger scores? When he's got that Bruins logo on. So I was excited for that. Did you get out in front of that McCars? Would you get out in front of the lane of that guy? Would you get in McCars' shooting lane and block one for the boys? Hazy, right up the laces? Uh, Have you ever blocked a shot, Hazy? a good video session of me doing a flamingo. Hazy, me and Willie Mitchell used to say, if you got to block a shot, it means you're out of position. Right? That's why the yeah, goalie makes what, eight I mean, million, has the equipment, let him see it. Don't fucking block it. Hey, some I of remember f- I was young. I was young in my experience of blocking a shot in the first year of Chicago. I broke a blood vessel in my hand and then <laughs> Joe Patrick came and he was like, How that happened? I said I blocked the shot and he just looked at me and said, Take the fucking minus kid. <laughs> <laughs> You're like Cater, if I was making nine bananas, I would. I love yeah, watching. If I could get out of the lane and go out there and have a six point night, I'd probably do the same thing, but <laughs> I love watching a guy go out in front of that fucking puck and you know there's no chance he's he's like getting down on one knee and he just pretends like he's there and he just kind of s- slowly slides away Whoa. from it. the classic flamingo hey guys what's going on um i know you got the uh tribute for jimmy coming out tomorrow so just wanted to give you a quick little video here um you know obviously jimmy was uh 
Uh, as I said in my tweet, one of my favorite teammates ever. And that was only through, you know, pretty much two years of playing together. So um, shows kind of the impact he left on me. I know he probably had that same impact on a lot of other players too. Um, just, you know, super funny guy, fun to be around. He was like a big goof. And um, I think we just kind of enjoyed each other's humor. Um, I know he, he told that story on the show about me telling him not to block the shot and take a minus, but, um, that was the, that was the kind of stuff that was just, you know, happening every day, um, with us, uh, just always those like subtle little chirps and, uh, um, it was nonstop with him and, uh, really enjoyed being around him. Um, obviously crazy to think that he's gone now, um, you know, feel for, for the Hayes family and obviously his family and and his kids and his wife um it's just uh it's just so sad and unfortunate um such a great man such a great guy to be around and uh the hockey world and the world in general lost someone special but um he was definitely the kind of guy that left a, a huge impact on you whenever you met him and um you know I'll never forget my times that I spent with him and just really enjoyed being around him anytime I got the chance. So, uh, rest in peace, Jimmy. We're gonna turn to this guy Fox at Broadway. We're gonna we're gonna start off with you. You played with this guy, Patty Kane, scored his 400th NHL goal uh, in typical Patty Kane style. Came in, I thought it was fucking short side titty, but apparently it wasn't. What are your thoughts on on Patty Kane 400 goals? I mean, that goal he scored too. That and against Detroit, that rival they had. That's like. That must have been an unbelievable feeling for him to finally get that 400th goal. And the way he did it with that toe drag and then going short side, it, that was vintage Patty Kane. And you know what? He's just been like one of the best Americans. He, he's going to be up for debate as, is he going to be the best American to ever play? Like, Fuck yeah. He's a guy that I believe <laughs> every kid has looked up to. And he's question. He's on pace. I think somebody tweeted out he needs – if he plays till he's 40 years old, he needs to average 18 goals a season, and that would be the all-time United States uh, goals record. So he's on pace to like, get that. And I, I just – I'm thinking of him. I think he's been a stud since he's entered the league. And he's um, – like you said, when we talk about style, he's invented his own style. Everyone looks up to him. He's – every young kid wants to be Patrick Kane. But, no, he's just been an icon. And then I was actually lucky enough to go to Pittsburgh's uh, training camp, and I was – it was a quick cup of coffee. It was there two weeks, but I got to sit next to Sid – and he treated me like I was his teammate the whole time there. He's just a guy that is a first-class guy. I heard tons of good stories about him. My buddy Dumoulin is uh, – I'll give you a quick story. They all went out one night, and uh, they're sitting at the table, and they're getting ready to leave. Sid gets them into the place right away, pays for the bill, nice. and then leaves. And, like, these guys are there too in the morning partying, and then all of a sudden the bill's paid for. So, like, just doing a little shit like that that's – it's top knots like Crosby. That's you think you would have done that if me and you were on the squad up? Yeah, like, I don't know, if he but... leaves that card until <laughs> two in the morning, back out. Hey, those are good nights you want to be out though, eh? when, when one of the boys just fires that down. Yeah, that's classy. So what was he like? I know you're only there for two weeks, but what was he like? I think I may probably know the answer, but his day to day routine at the at the rink must be just fucking dialed in, right? It is the most impressive thing I've ever seen. Him and Malkin. Malkin works hard too during practice. That's why we were getting all over Malkin during a couple weeks ago for his play. Yeah, I was all over him. But Crosby, he, he reminds me of Brad Marshawn as well. Like they just go so hard in practice and he he wants to make sure like if you're defending him, he wants you to defend him because he like it's game like for him at all times. Yeah. So he's just a, a true pro and I mean like 
kind of impressed how we can do it every damn day. So remember, keep in mind, Jimmy's seven. We're seven, eight years old at this time, right? So everybody loves to talk about Jimmy in the NHL. But this is my favorite story because this is like before anybody probably really even knew Jimmy, before I even really knew him. And he comes to my house in Etobicoke. His dad comes over because we were playing an afternoon game. And the dad was going to drop Jimmy off at our house. And then we were going to go to the game together. And Jimmy had like half gear on. And I'll, I'll never forget this. My mom telling me the story. So I wasn't, I didn't answer the door. My mom and dad answered the door. So big Kevin walks up, Jimmy walks up with them. They ring the doorbell. My mom opens the door and Jimmy, and you know, everybody talks about his dance and how bad his dancing is. He does this, this dookie shuffle, like at the front door. And he's like, Mrs. Subban, like doing this dookie shuffle. And my mom, like, I remember this. Now I, I go back a few weeks ago and that's how my parents remember Jimmy. That's how they remember him. Because when I told my parents the news, you know, before it all came out, I kind of knew about it about 7 a.m. I was on my way to the gym and I got the news and then it came out about 12 or one o'clock. And the first call that I made was to call my mom. And I told her, I said, I said, mom, uh, do you remember Jimmy Hayes? And she goes, she goes, yeah, that's the kid that did the dance at the front. Door. Like she remembered that from 20 years. And she goes, isn't that the kid? I go, he's from Boston. She goes, yeah, I remember he was doing the dance with his dad in front of the door. And I'm like, Yes, mom, that's him. And I, I obviously I broke the news to her. I think, you know, in hockey, it's like a brotherhood, right? Like we all care about each other, uh, especially when you played the game um, and you're in that circle. Jimmy just happened to be a guy that I got to know at a very young age, his family. Um, you know, and now I have a ton of friends in Boston, people that I actually consider family, really, that live in Boston. But that's kind of where it started for me. And uh, I'll tell the story, but... Um, you know, Jimmy was obviously a well-liked guy. And, uh, you know, for me personally, for a lot of the kids watching or, 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 or hockey players that are watching that may be playing at a pro level, you know, to see a guy around your age, right? Jimmy's my age. Um, and to see someone go that soon, it just, it opens up your eyes. It should touch everyone. It should definitely touch every guy that's 31 or an 89 birth, you know, that's playing hockey right now. To see a guy go that, that young, it just opened up my eyes to, just making sure that every day you're living, you know, to the best of your ability and you're enjoying it. Besides Provenoff, who else is really going to fucking... <laughs> Pro- is that his name? I think you fucked that up, too. What's, That's his, so what's good. his name? Provenoff. Provenoff. Did I Provenoff, fuck that up? Isn't it? Yeah, Provenoff. There's no N. Provenoff. Okay, whatever. Yeah. It was the fucking so Russian good. guy that can fucking snap it around. But I'm like Don Sherry back in the day. I fuck, up, I fuck up every Russian's name. But do you think they have enough offense, Broadway, from the back end? From the back end, I do not. They have guys like Gothispear and Gustafson, but I just don't think those two guys can get it done. But there is a guy out there by the name of Keith Yandel who might be available, who I think the Flyers should go out and try to add. He might not be that shutdown offense when you're looking for, but he is going to answer a lot of your questions offensively when it comes to that power play. Jimmy Scoops fucking writes, that's a great guy for Philly, right? They have enough. They got the Myers kid who plays fucking old school defense. Yans would slide in nice there. That's the offensive guy that they could use, Jimmy Scoop. Yeah, so maybe would, you should work the phones. It'd be easy to slide him into that leadership role yeah. too, with with obviously oh, yeah. little yeah. Broadway there. Yeah, right? it would be that would be the perfect fit for a guy in Philly. So maybe that hopefully that comes true, so we can say we fucking you heard it here first. But I know um, my brother would be the happiest guy in the world if that guy gets there. Yeah. So we we asked JVR who's the best chirper on that Flyers team, and he said that Scott Lawton kid. He said that kid chirps nonstop. Is that what your bro says? 
My brother says that kid is electric when it comes to chirping, but the other guy he added was that Konechny. And I was actually playing video games with those guys the other night. And man, <laughs> I, I was laughing my ass off for two straight playing? hours with this Konechny. He's just, he's on fire the entire time. What were you guys time. playing? Uh, that Konechny. Call of Duty, game. baby. Call of Duty? Oh, yeah. Fuck. All right. You guys, you Trip guys to the get, gulag. You guys should get Patrick Liney involved, maybe. That guy's... That guy loves his video games too, doesn't he? Are he you might good get at Call us, of Duty? He might get us a Warzone victory. <laughs> Are you good at Call of Duty? No, I suck. I'm the team medic. So anybody that's listening to this that plays Call of Duty, they'll appreciate the team medic. I, I usually get zero kills, but I revive the shit out of guys. Locker room oh, guy. You're a fucking team guy. Hey, I, I don't like to really toot my own horn, but I bet if you go ask a bunch of old teammates, especially in New Jersey, when I got the starting lineup, the boys were ready. I always had all my starting lineups were sponsored. They were sponsored by Red Bull. They were sponsored by uh, Waste Management. Think green. Think waste management from Everyday Protection to Environmental Collection. Think green. I had Brazers. I had strip clubs sponsoring these things. So I loved the starting lineup. And the best thing about it is it's, if you went on a heater, one, I knew I wasn't going to get scratched. And two, I knew I got the lineup the next night. So I loved having the lineup. I wanted to take one second to... Uh talk about a, 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 a terrible tragedy that's happened in the uh, in the world in general, Action Park Media, the loss of just a, a, a great guy. Jimmy Hayes, who was part of the Missing Curfew crew, was with us for a short period of time, but, you know, he left a, a big impression on all of us, and uh, it's just been a real tragic story, tough couple of days, tough to express the words. As, as somebody that's recently had a baby as well, um, my baby was born probably a month after Jimmy's. So this one hits closer to home for me. So on behalf of everybody at Action Park Media, the missing curfew guys, Shane, O'Brien, Scotty Upshaw, I know you guys are hurting, all of his friends, family, teammates, and everybody that this guy clearly touched uh, in so many ways. We send our deepest condolences. We're thinking about all of you. We love you. Probably went one and one the next day. <laughs> 100% you did. But back to that Jay-Z concert up here, that was Big Dad Dylan Olsen, and we were absolutely pinned at this concert. I somehow weaseled my way down because I knew all the security guards in the rink. I was standing outside Jay-Z's locker room in front of A-Rod, Kevin Hart. I was next in line to get into Jay-Z's locker room, just buzz and hang out with them. But then him and Beyonce wanted to leave. I think they wanted to get the live or something. Figures A-Rod was there. Oh, he was behind me in line. I, this security <laughs> guard made me feel like I was He's no Jeter, is he, Cons? A-Rod the dick rider. Yeah. Jeter don't wait outside. You know, when did you first know that, hey, this guy was going to be one of my boys and, and just how much he made a difference in your life? You know, I think we signed on the same day, actually, in Boston, pretty sure. And uh, first day I was there, we showed up. We ended up doing a community servicing uh, down in uh, down in the, I think it was Charlestown, did a little thing with some young kids. And, uh, you know, we met them for the first time. We went to the Sox game later that day. And that, that was about it, man. The history was wrote. I think we met up <laughs> a little later after that game, too. And, uh, you know, I, I just, as soon as you got around him, he put his arm around you and did it. Come with me, Ice Man. I got you, and that's uh, that's the way it was. That's how we rolled around Boston. You know, is uh, that's how we went everywhere. It's just he's that guy. He's infectious. He once you're once you're in there, you're not getting out. He had like a twelve foot wingspan too, but still, you, you know, you get under that arm and you don't want to leave. So it was, uh, you know, he, he was everything. His family, they'd invite us over. Went there for Thanksgiving, Christmas. You know, uh, his family's great. Obviously, you got to meet a lot of them, or if you didn't already know them, and um, you know, he took us in 
took me and my wife in my kids his mom babysat my daughter like it was you know they were uh that's the type of people they are you know you stayed in boston a couple extra days and went over and, and saw Kristen, and you went down to the to the broadway bar that i'd never been in that i wanted more than anything to go down there and have a couple with them and um just tell our listeners about the notes you found and um just how much oh. he loved doing this and, and how how prepared he was man it was cool when he sent us that picture yeah it was uh like on a, Jimmy was never really serious, right? Like he, he was serious, but he didn't really get to see too much of serious Jim. He was always making yeah. you laugh and um just going down there and sitting on that bar. I talked to him so many times when he's building it and setting it up and everything. It was it's great to have a drink there. It was tough circumstances, obviously, but it, you know, I got to watch Bo bounce around down there and play and um yeah, reading his notes, man. He had I think he was there's two and a half notebooks like or there's one notebook for sure front to back filled and then there's a couple more all with notes and just the way he wrote them he wrote like he was like he was on the show so you know like i guess the one i found about me is like best hungover practice player, <laughs> shot fixes everything and i just died man. his shot <laughs> fixes everything <laughs> his shot can fix those blood bloodshot <laughs> eyes yeah, shoot it from the red line doesn't have to skate all the way in like, <laughs> no, oh, the, there was so many like i, I took pictures of them. i can probably pull them up here i sent some to you guys just yeah it, it was awesome seeing seeing the passion he had for this show and the the like he had everyone's salaries, like just professional. He was, he was yeah. nationally doing it, doing it right. And uh, no, it was, it was really cool to see. So I, I have a story <laughs> where I came in with the blues and we played you guys, you guys, uh, you know, it was like winter classic time, right? And the cameras are following you. And I got a story that Jimmy's told where, you know, it's Christmas. It's the day before Christmas break, and I fucking, <laughs> you know, at the end of the thing, I'm I, I go to Doug Armstrong, my GM. I'm like Doug, like, you know, I'm flying back to Newport to meet Obi and Loops for for Christmas. You know, I got the red eye or whatever. Do you mind if I wear jeans like uh, out of the out of the dressing room tonight? Like, I don't want to wear my suit to the airport and shit, right? <laughs> so he's like, "No, of course I'll be right." So I go meet Broadway in the hall. And the cameras are there and shit. You guys have all the cameras for the Winter Classic following you from HBO. And Broadway looks at me and he goes, no fucking way up, dog. You get to look like this, leaving the rink, right? Like, you're always looking fucking National League. Now you're wearing jeans, long jacket, fucking black shirt. Like, you don't have to wear your suit. And I'm like, Broadway, when the cameras are on, up dog shines. So I was like, just just what he needed to hear to give, like, the, you know, Broadway just always wanting to be National League and looking at me that day, just being like, how come you don't get to wear your suit out of here? Like, this is sick. Broadway, we finally got some time to hang out the other night and watch a hockey game together. Usually... It's through text messaging and you're telling me your picks and who you like. Uh, but we were watching this game and there were some ticky-tack slash penalties on the teams that we had money on. And you told me a fucking hilarious PTO story about what happened to you in Jersey. Just let our listeners know. I thought it was fucking great. Oh, man. This is when... So this would have been 2017 when I went to New Jersey on a PTO and they were just starting to change like the rules, like the stupid slash and penalties. Mm-hmm. So I get my first game in there. Obviously, I'm a little nervous. Get on the ice 10 seconds in. Minor slashing penalty. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Get out of the box. Go off, take a face off. Face off violation. Because remember, they were doing the face off violation? I got a face off violation penalty. So now I'm at two. Now we get to the second period. I take a hook. Three penalties. Third period, I took a little rough and penalty. Four minor penalties in one game. I called my agent after. I was like, Bob, you gotta call a new team because there's no way I'm making this team. But even uh, Ray Shiro was laughing his ass off. He was just like, I mean, yeah, it's, you gotta be the test dummy. But wow. Did that, 
if they're going to call the game like that, it's going to be a long year. That's a tough feel, though, when you're on a fucking PTO. Hey, four Mr. Hey, Mr. PTO, worse, if you get four minors, you're like, yeah, well, I'm going fucking back to the junkie. Oh, I thought my, I was going home. My last PTO game, um, it was in Colorado. I was with Dallas. I got two penalties in the first two periods. Then I ended up scoring a goal. So I thought I might have made. Goal. So I thought I might have made up for it. Sure enough, nope. Got back. <laughs> fucking name wasn't on the board. They took me fucking Aww. jersey by. <laughs> I was watching that game. I was at Big Canyon in the men's grill pre-COVID when you could actually sit in there and have a fucking glass of wine with the boys. Yeah. And uh, Santiago and Martin, the boys that worked the fucking, uh, they're awesome guys. I'm like boys, you got to fire this game on. Upshaw's playing right now, and I'm guaranteed he's gonna be fucking buzzing. And I turned it on, no word of lie, you're the best player on the ice. And then he scores this like sick upshaw fucking breakaway I remember goal. That goal. That goal. And I'm awesome. like, fuck boys. I remember telling the boys, I'm like, that bottom, fuck, another week, he'll be there. Yeah. Fuck, no, two I days later, he calls me. Later. I'm like, game's changed. Then I went but. out and just got shit-faced in Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> I took our boy Younger out, and I'm like, Younger, we're going for it here tonight. And Uppy, I know you wanted to talk on one of our, well, you guys, all of our former teammates, but uh, Nick Bunchy Bukestad, what did you think? Oh, Bunchy. <laughs> Bunchy. First of all, we'll talk about the Bunchy. So this is so funny. Bunchy, Nick Bukestead, who is a great kid. Great kid. Minnesota kid. He comes in, he comes in, he leaves college early. He comes to Florida, has a great finish to the year. They think he's going to score 30 every year. Um, and he comes in and he's quiet. And whenever he says something, it makes no fucking sense. And he's, he's hilarious and he kind of laughs at his own jokes. And we <laughs> laugh at him. And that's who he is, eh, Jimbo? The best, he's the <laughs> best drill <laughs> record in the league, too. Oh, yeah, that too. So anyway, Ray Donovan has a character, Bunchy. <laughs> who's raised like delinquent uh, brother. Yeah. And he's all over the map. What a show. I love that show. It's a great show. And so Bunchy becomes his nickname. Now, <laughs> like they're, doing the the they're doing Bunchy an interview, boys. They're doing an interview. I forget who was with on he TV. And they're like, why do these guys call you Bunchy? And he's like, well, because, you know, there's this show, Ray Donovan, and the guys, <laughs> the, the brother's like, so this idiot and... You know, he's fucking dumb as, dumb as all shit. And the boys just called me Bunchy, and it fits. And the guy was like, what? <laughs> so that was why we continued Bunchy. Uppy, when I got traded to Boston, I was sitting at the, the red line doing, like, stretching. Bukes that's over there. I'm like, what's up, Bunchy? He looks at me. He's like, nobody calls me that anymore. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Nobody calls that anymore. I see Yandel after the game. I'm like, you guys stopped calling him Bunchy? He was like, I didn't know this was his nickname. Right back to Bunchy. Oh, so, <laughs> so, okay. I just remember how much you hated Bugie, Bugie, hated Bugie Bunchy. We love, we love you. But. Yeah, and Big Rig, man. When we've watched you play the lot, you know, obviously last year with the podcast, you know, I just want to let you know he was always texting me, being like, "Look at the Big Rig out there, hey, like protecting the puck, keeping it down low." And like in his notes, he always had, you know, he always had stuff about you, and he always wanted to make sure that we were talking about the Big Rig. And there's still a room in the game for a big guy that can play. And um. You know, you meant the world to him, brother, and he loved you, and I know you loved him back. And, um, you know, you put a cool picture up of, of you and Hazy uh, looking at the Hudson. Was that when you guys obviously were playing together? Just talk me through that picture because it was super cool, man. Yeah, man. So <clears throat> Francesca takes a lot of pictures, and uh, we spent a lot of time together in Jersey. Uh, quite a couple nights out in New York City, uh, a couple nice dinners <laughs> in New York City, uh, Hoboken. You know, that was us going out on the town that night. That was us catching the ferry to New York City. Kristen and Francesca probably shaking heads at the time, <laughs> but taking a cool picture, thinking, like, what are these hooligans doing tonight? Yeah. <laughs> what are we getting ourselves into? Uh, 
that could have been the end of the year party that night. And I think uh, me and Broadway, the girls went home, me and Broadway took it deep. But um, <clears throat> yeah, man, we had so many special nights. I, I talked about it a little bit in the Spit and Chicklets video, but the first time, you know, I met, went out with Jimmy and Kristen and they just felt this, they felt this welcome, you know, they always brought us together and like, they didn't have to bring us to meet his brother at bingo night in New York city, but they brought us, you know, like he got bingo that night. You could see us in the video. There's a video going around Twitter, me and Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy's going nuts with the champagne. But I mean, that was our first night together. You know, he won bingo. And I was like, I knew, I knew I was going to click right away with this guy. And even his wife, Kristen and Francesca hit it off right away. So that's what this life has been for us. It's been brotherhood and you Patty Maroon, man, you're you're still going. You're still winning championships, and these are the things that Broadway was great at. So, um, yeah. oh yeah, I agree. It just like you said, I think you know he would be the first one with us. You know, he'd be our eleventh man. You know, <laughs> hanging, telling stories. You know, he's a great storyteller himself. Him and Shaddy are up there for the best storytelling. <laughs> Him and his Boston <laughs> accent. I mean, just listen to that that clip you guys put up the other day i was peeing in my pants just, <laughs> that's just who he was like it's just like you just can listen to him all day and you can sit in a room with him i mean he can talk to a wall and the wall would be laughing back at him and that's just who the, that's just who he is and um i you know i just probably back i never played with you guys well ob we had a little stint together yeah. um but i never played with you guys but it just felt like you know that was a good career to be in there and have a couple beers and sit back and just tell stories and fucking laugh. Larry found his way in there. You know, he <laughs> always finds his way. <clears throat> but it was good, man. I think he would be, he'd, he would have been right there with us. Like you said, he was right there with us and uh, in spirit and looking down. Yeah, it, it, it was the first time in a long time I felt like, you know, being back on the road with the boys and, and Hazy lived for that. First and foremost, uh, Jimmy Hayes, man, passed away. Was it last night or this morning? doesn't really matter. We know Shane O'Brien. We know Scotty Upshaw. We love those guys. And um, we just want to say, man, we're thinking about you guys, dude. Yeah. Like, we fucking love you, and we're thinking about you. And it's going to be a tough go here for a bit, but you got a lot of people thinking about you, man. And we're all in this, dude. And uh, you, you know the hockey community is going to be by, by your side and shit like that. Yeah. So I just wanted to throw that at you guys. Yeah, love no, you. no doubt, man. Thinking hey, about you, you know, man. That's, that's the best thing about the hockey community. Yeah, I mean everybody just kind of, you know, this one. This one is is a guy, David Peterson, uh, a listener every week. He said, "The photo here, up dog, is from a few months ago, back at a golf outing for a hockey player in Massachusetts who broke his neck and is now paralyzed." When I saw Jimmy, I had just started listening to the Missing Curfew podcast, and I saw him and said, "Broadway, I love the pod. Can I get a photo?" He responded and said, "Sure thing." At the time, I thought he was just being a nice guy who didn't want to be rude. With his passing, I've learned he genuinely wanted to take the picture and please anyone who was just a fan. I'm a kid from Boston who's a senior in college. My hockey dreams are coming to an end. Just like, and just like a lot of guys, fuck, our, our hockey dreams came to an end too. But, <laughs> uh, but today was the first time I skated in months, and all I can say is I thought of him the whole time, joking with the boys in the locker room because I was never the best player, but fuck, I relate to Jimmy as being a locker room guy and always keeping the mood high in the room. I hope you and Obes keep the podcast going with Jimmy in your hearts because I don't think there's anything he would want more. Uh, and then a couple other that Princey got. Princey's I'll try to read this one. I'll try to read the one Phil Byrne from Dorchester because I like you guys realized throughout this whole podcast, I mean, 
you know, the, the impact that it had on me going there. Gents, I'm a Dorchester guy. Older than the Hayes boys, but I want to thank you for coming here for the service. Every second of it was heartbreaking and tragic, but you got to see what Jimmy meant to the neighborhood and hopefully what the neighborhood, mean, the neighborhood means to the Hayes family and friends. I wish you were here under better circumstances, but I'm glad you got to see our neighborhood come together like it always has to mourn or in better times celebrate. If you ever make it back, cocktails on us. Cheers, Phil. This is a guy who hit me up, Brian Kolb. Hey, brother, just wanted to say that I'm really looking forward to hearing you and Obes get back at it when you're ready. I knew Jimmy. I was lucky enough to spend some time with him in Martha's Vineyard and play some golf with a lot of his close buddies. I also have two young boys and have gotten through a divorce recently where podcast, specifically yours, has allowed me to escape reality and become and be able to laugh when I didn't think it was possible. My heart goes out to you and Shane and the rest of the Missing Curfew crew. Brian, those messages like that are, I can't tell you what, how much that means and, and what that is, you know, this is why we do this. This is why Obi and I sit here every day and Jimmy and, and why we thought that this would be great is we touch guys like you uh, who can affect, you know, their young kids and hopefully young kids relate to some of the things we did and we lived a dream and, and this sort of thing is what, what I think Jimmy wanted to yeah. with this. And I'll, I'll read this other one, Scott Gorgon. I think that's how you say it. I wish Broadway was here to help me with the fucking name. Uh, thank you for the, thank you for all that you do. Hope you, Scotty and Shane, this is to Princey. Thanks to you, Scotty and Shane are all hanging in there the best that you can. We are all beyond heartbroken to hear the news about Jimmy. This podcast has brought so many smiles and laughs to my life during a really dark time with everything that has been going on in this world. Listening to all of you has been such a bright light each week. When we heard the news of Jimmy passing, it was so heartbreaking. I never met him, but in this wild time of podcasting, you feel like you get to know someone. I can't imagine how his close friends and family are doing. It's, he seemed like such an incredible human that brought life, laughter, and positivity into every situation. I just want to say thank you for all that you and Missing Curfew have done. We need more smiles and laughter in the world, and you guys are doing that. Take care, and I will do my best to try to live my life like Jimmy did, being the bright light in every room. Well said, Oops. Peace, Stokes. Boys, I'm sorry for your loss. It's honestly heartbreaking, so I can't imagine how you're feeling as best pals. As listeners, I know we'll miss Broadway's takes and insider scoops. I loved hearing him from across the country and how he's up big or down bad on the gambling front. His laugh was contagious, and I would catch myself smiling every time he laughed. The pod helped me get through some long drives and tough times. I just wanted to offer my condolences to you boys and, his, and of course, his family, Kristen, and his friends. Take care and stay strong, fellas. And Broadway, may you rest happily and in peace, brother. Hey, I got a goal celebration I did in college. We need Princey to find this clip and fire it up. Oh, he will. I did the John Wall. I did the John Wall dance, and I swear to God, you know John Wall when he's going like this? And it was like the seventh or eighth goal of the game. It's like 8-3. My dad didn't fucking talk to me for a fucking week. <laughs> eight, he was like, I don't know who the fuck you think you are. We ended up winning like 9-7, so it ended up being the game-winning goal. No but way. We need Princey to fire up. We need Princey to fire up this clip because Hazy's legit dancing on the fucking ice. I was fucking embarrassed, but hey. No. You can it's score good. a big goal. You gotta it's love good it. for the game. I said, Broadway, that's how they stay in the league. See, Broadway, they actually work out in the offseason. We, for, we <laughs> fucked that up. We forgot about that minor little detail. 
<laughs> yeah, I forgot that. I, I always took uh, Mondays and Fridays off. I don't think that's part of the in the cards these days anymore. Sure, All these me, fucking think, nerds uh, fucking working out. How many classes did we have at BC together? What were we in a couple? That yeah, WWW, yeah. remember that? With yep. you, Polly, Shazy, Barry. And you'd sit right behind me and I had to write extra big and sometimes I have to hold my paper <laughs> up under the test. Maybe someone peeking over my shoulder. <laughs> Thank God for Nat because my junior year, she uh, she got me out of study hall hours into the almost the, the dean's list. I, I almost made <laughs> academic scholarship that year. It was oh, unbelievable. Hockey East all academic team. <laughs> There's no way you two idiots were going to class at college, was there? So take us back, boys. You guys, what, 10 yeah. years old? How did you guys I meet? Mean, yeah. You guys, who grew pubes first? I'm sure, like, was Jimmy, like, Damn. a hairy guy when he was in the shower or what? I'm still trying to late. grow mine. I'm still trying to grow mine. I'm 30 years old. But, uh, no, you know, it was back in the day. We we formed a pretty – it was my dad and Big Daddy at the time, Jimmy's yep. dad. And, uh, I mean, we had Jimmy, I mean, probably close to – 13 guys that are in the NHL or played in the NHL with PK Subban, me, Jimmy, uh, Logan Couture, Sam Gagne, um, Shaddy, Kyle Turris, Shaddy, uh, Van Riemsdyk. I mean, yeah, Van Riemsdyk. I mean, our what team. What kind of vitamins fuck. were they giving you guys? You guys are like <laughs> uh, the Russian Red Army. Guys. You guys are getting all those special vitamins. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we never practiced one time. We just show up to these Canadian tournaments and just smoke everyone. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah. We were legit to the West. We were legit <laughs> yeah, called the Boston Icemen. I was the only kid from Boston on the fucking team. Terrible, terrible news. Uh, I feel for the family. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot's been said about him last week, and I think it's been really on point. Like, he, he truly did, like, light up the room every time he walked into it, right? Like, I I, I don't know if he had a bad day. <laughs> no <laughs> bad days. He, he uh, yeah, that's all right, Thorny. It's not, He's always just, you know, it's so positive, like, we lose six one. Like, ah, we'll get him next time. Thirty's no big. Like, everything was just positive, positive. And, you know, knowing the family a little bit from Boston and uh, Big Kev, and you know those those ties too. I hadn't talked to him. I was texting him and Kev probably three four weeks ago. Maybe coming to my event and you know old Broadway is like, I'll be there if I can be there. Of course, you know I love you. Blah 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 blah. Um, you know I, I this is hard because I. I love the guy. I love the guy. Like he, one of the greatest teammates you could ever have and greatest individuals and the families is, you know, pure as a driven snow, as far as how, how great of people they are. Uh, it, it was tough. It's still tough. And I, I really feel for the, the family. And, I'm, you know, there's, I've reached out to Yans. I talked to you up. Be like, if there's anything that, however we can help and support, I know, you know, the Viola's new uh, the Hayes and our organization, myself, like if there's anything we can do, I don't know any other way to put it, but we'd love to be able to do whatever we can. So yeah, at the end of the day, man, it's family and that's what hockey is. It's taught us a lot. And he definitely looked up to you, Thority. So we appreciate you taking the time. Um, just continue the Broadway stories. That's how we yeah. keep them around, right? Yeah, exactly. But he, 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 there's enough of them to go around. I know I'm they sure. keep popping so just, into my head. Like uh, there's just like when we were doing the thing before we got authority on, like they just kept popping into my head. So that's a great point. We'll just keep the Broadway stories rolling, you know, so. Keep the Broadway legacy going. I mean, I, I know there'd be no shortage of it up in Boston. As you said, I mean, I saw the outpouring of support in Dorchester and, we know, you know, he only spent as, as a player, only spent a small amount of time there, but he lived there his whole life. And a lot of people in that city really looked up to him and he was part of the community too, right? He wasn't just, 
a guy that was from there played for the bees and then tucked himself into a corner. I mean, anytime you ask Broadway to do anything for kids or the community or whatever, he was the first guy to say, yeah, I'm in, let's go. Like, and then show the kids how you should be happy every single day. Right. Like that was the biggest thing for me. I mean, we joke about him never having a bad day, but like we truly play a, a sport that we're blessed to play. But we get caught up in it, right? Like, oh, we're getting bag scared. Coach is an asshole. This, that, blah, 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 blah. Like, Broadway taught everybody that, like, it's fun. It's a yeah. fun sport. Doesn't matter how bad the day is in our world. Our world's still better than ninety-eight percent of the the population. Like, enjoy it. So, I mean, listen, I, I love the guy to death. I'm I'm honored and privileged. That I got to know him and his family and. This is not obviously easy uh, to talk about. And it's probably the first time I've really talked about it other than with my wife over the first few days afterwards. So I, I appreciate you guys having me on and giving me a chance to at least say a few kind words. Uh, not enough probably, but a few kind words for the for the big fella. Oh, now I think it's a great time for you to to jump into our, you know, our, our hockey management role that we had to play here at Missing Curfew. When, you know, we had a couple meetings on how the show should, you know, how should we how should we really fine tune the show moving forward for for what was probably the playoff time, right? Yeah. So we were getting a little, and I don't know if the listeners out there feel this, but we were internally we felt like we could do more, and uh, we were, yeah. So 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 Obi, you got to. We lead were trying it. to give Broadway more of a more of a role. We felt that like a it was hard for him because me and Uppy were in studio, and as anyone knows who does this or anything, right? If you're in the same room with someone and having a conversation, it's a lot easier than someone on a Zoom. So. And like Uppy said, we don't really, we still don't really know exactly what we're fucking doing, right? So me and Uppy golfing, we're talking, we're like, you know, how can we build something for Scoopsy here, right? So he comes on NHL Power Play with me and Cools, and if the fucking beauty doesn't pick a parlay, right? So he hits his, and his voice changed when when he did the interview for the 15 minutes on NHL XM Radio. When we brought up gambling or who you're gonna pick, his his voice changed, and it like he was like he turned into Scoopsy, so. Me and Uppy talk about it, and we're like, we talk to A Hall, and we're like, all right, we got this big pitch ready for him, right? And me and Uppy are nervous, like we don't want to like upset Broadway or like, but so we do this whole probably twenty minute pitch, and in typical Broadway fashion, he listens, doesn't say anything. Yep, okay, yeah, okay. And after we're like, you got any questions, Scoopsy? Like, what do you what do you think of the idea? He's like, yeah, no, no, it's all good, but like. I'm still going to be able to talk hockey with you and Uppy on the podcast, right? I'm like, that's what you got out of all that? I'm like, yes, you're going to be able to. But do you like what we're trying to build for you? He's like, oh, yeah, no, it's great. I'll pick the parlays, but I still get to snap it around with you and Uppy each week, right? Like, fucking missing curfew social media once again. Now we have someone telling you to put your brother Kevin Hayes on the milk carton. What were your thoughts? Um I think the Flyers have bigger problems than Kevin Hayes, but what were you, what, did you laugh when you saw it? I texted you. I, I was dying laughing, and the first thought that came to mind was the milk carton effect. Yeah. Because yeah. every time I put somebody on the milk carton, they shove it right up my ass. So, Kev, I'll put you on the milk carton, <laughs> but it's coming from a good place, and know that. It's coming from somebody who wants to see you succeed more than anybody in this league. So, I'll put you on the milk carton for this week. Maybe I'll tuck a couple goals. Maybe I'll take you on a prop bet. Who knows? But I think the Philadelphia Flyers have a lot more issues than Kevin Hayes. I agree. And we'll put we'll put Kevin Hayes on the milk carton just for that reason. We want to get him going. But listen, we're going to go the opposite way. A young captain, Broadway, who you were playing with, a 22-year-old. Help me with his last name. Nico. He sure. He sure. Nico he sure. You had been talking about over the, over the weekend when he did get named captain. And we had Lindy Ruff on power play with Steve Cools yesterday. And he said, this kid is... 
wise beyond his years. He's only 22, but he was a no-brainer captain. You know this kid. What's he like? Yeah, that's ex- uh, that's a great way how Ruff um, explained it to him. He's a kid that he doesn't say much. He's not going to be a vocal. He's going to lead by example. And he's been a hell of a player. I know people are questioning that pick at first, but now they look like geniuses. And I think that he's going to be able to help turn that team around in uh, New Jersey with, with Jack Hughes there now and stuff. So he's a guy that's going to be a hell of a leader. And uh, he's been working on his English because I, 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 got, I, I call him Mignon because yeah. we went to dinner one night. And he ordered the Philippe Mignon. And I was like, are you kidding me, kid? So I, his nickname to me, Nico, you listening? Mignon. So I'm happy for you. And congratulations on being the captain. So you, he, you took him out for a nice national league dinner. And he was like, what the fuck's a Philippe Mignon? What the hell's a Philippe Mignon? I was like, it's, it's Mignon. What did you say it was? I you told him it was a nice, nice, nice piece of steak. Like, That's a fucking national league piece I of beef. His sailing in the NHL, and you call me crazy, I think he could become the next Patrice Bergeron. Whoa. Like, that's the type of way he plays. He's so good defensively, and he's going to start putting up numbers, and I think if he can stay healthy, he's going to be a, a Selkie-winning hey, guy. What did you say? His what in the NHL? <laughs> his ceiling. <laughs> his ceiling? Yeah, like yeah. you like yeah. thinking potential. Yeah, 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 yeah no, I, I just it sounds fucking sick. As a boss with a Boston <laughs> accent, a Boston, with a Boston ceiling. accent, fucking ceiling, fucking ceiling. And he was talking about the time he went out and bought uh, that S five fifty, the Mercedes when he when he sat out. And I was listening to it, and I'm like, I remember I, right when I got to Florida, I had came in and I bought a G wagon and an S five fifty. And he goes fully, he's like, I want one of those. I was like, you know what, Jimmy. <laughs> If you have a chance, go and get one. He's like, these are this is what this is what the boss drives. These is boss boss of companies. They drive S five eighty S five fifties. You want one? And I remember Troach was talking about it just on uh, with Biz and them, and and I that, like just hearing that story kind of brought me to tears. Um, just when he showed up that day, and he's like, "Bully!" He's like, "Look what kind of car I just got!" And it was an S five fifty, all done up. I'm like. This kid's a beauty. I'm like, this kid is a beauty. Just touch on what you know, what you meant, what he meant to you, or whatever you want to say about him, buddy. This is your time to uh, to to let us know. And he, he loved you, boy, as you know. No, 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 100. percent Broadway was. Uh, I remember Broadway came into Chicago. Uh, his first few days, um, he came in. You know how he was. He was big, funny, goofy, uh, <laughs> always lighting up the room. Uh, and I remember saying, "Who is this kid?" Like just laughing around and uh he would always like little things he would he would make everybody laugh and uh just uh it's 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 a heartbroken thing when i found out uh the other week what happened to him and uh it 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 hurt my heart because i was one guy that that when i was in florida uh we got along really well and in chicago i was still trying to get to know him and get uh get to get to hang out with them um but uh in florida uh like Uppy said like uh we were we were all pretty tight um and we all hung out and uh i think that that was the year i've i was going through uh my divorce and uh, i remember Uppy was there and, and jimmy hayes was there for me uh and you guys were, were great with me and keep me up upbeat and jimmy was one of those guys that was like ah who cares let's go have some fun and let's have some beers and, and who cares about about what's going on like um so uh it was heartbreaking to hear uh what happened and um it's it's it still is uh heartbroken to me so and with a new background a national league setup in dorchester or wherever this guy is with a victory t-shirt with a victory t-shirt hat that is a basement worth getting drunk in broadway jimmy scoops Hayes. guys it is awesome to be back i got 
both my eyes now. So now we're ready to go. Handicap's back up where I want it. So now I got to get it back down. But it's winter. You got to put the weight on to take it off. <laughs> has, the, has the new eye helped the golf game? It, um, well, I've got a couple lessons. And the lady, I think she tightened it enough that I got a nice, a nice tight draw right now, boys. Hey, so Broadway, you, I mean, you, you really banged up your eye, huh? What? Give us the quick story. What happened to your eye? And it ain't from reading a book. <laughs> it, 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 it was really the book. I've had a lazy eye since I've been in second grade, and I ignored every single doctor along the way. When I got to Boston, the doctor warned me if I don't start wearing glasses or a contact that it will give out. Then I read that book. Next day, I gave out. The book broke down your eyeball after all that you've been through. Reading a book put you on the disabled list for four weeks. I couldn't believe it. It was literally, it's been 50 <laughs> days of seeing double. And then I went in there to Mass Eye and Air, best doctors in the world, went under, woke up, and the eye was fixed. It might just be sobriety, I think, is just <laughs> making that one eye. You're just finally sober. It's a little mixed up. Your eyes are like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> oh, yeah. The eyes are like, this is unbelievable. My footwork and everything's back, back in the gym. Maybe it got a little quickness in me again. Who knows? Hey, Hazy, so Hazy, to our listeners, Hazy sent a team pick to our missing curfew after the surgery. And I text back, and up, you can attest to this, after the Monday morning when I woke up in Tahoe, I don't know if who looked worse, the picture after you have an eye surgery or the way I looked when I looked at that mirror. I was like, <laughs> don't feel bad, Hazy. I look the same way right now. Oh, that's the worst. The days when you hung titties and you just go to the rink. Uppy could hide it well. He had these unbelievable eye drops. I showed up, and I looked like I got ran over by a bus. <laughs> yeah, there was a system to looking good, Hazy. It was a little, yeah, little splash, a little mouthwash, a little splash, a little Advil, or maybe a little perk daddy. Something <laughs> to make you feel good, but. Yeah, Hazy, it listen, worked. you're looking sharp. You're supporting the Victory Podcast. We're a team here at Action Love Park. That. And to continue with that rumor mill, if this happens, I'm telling you right now, Seth Jones is going to end up on the Chicago Blackhawks somehow. People were chirping my tweet the other day, but Whoa. you need to realize you're moving a piece. It's called a salary dump to whoever that kid was that chirped me, and that's why Seth Jones would be able to come. I know Columbus is not in the fucking West. But that's called dumping salary so you can make room for a guy like Seth Jones. Broadway, don't let them get to you, buddy. Don't let them get to you. Listen, I woke up. <laughs> I woke up when I said Matthew to Chuck to fucking St. Louis. I woke up. I thought I was playing in Vancouver back in the day. It was just like vroom, people from Cowtown being like, oh, Brian, you're a fucking idiot. Your podcast sucks and you know nothing. I'm like, easy, boys. Easy, easy, easy. So don't let them get to you, Hazy. Don't let them get to you. Another big splash was made on Friday, Chicago, acquiring Seth Jones from the Columbus Blue Jackets in exchange for Adam Bachfis, the 12th overall pick, who turned out to be Cole Sillinger, the 44th overall pick, and a future first-round pick. The 26-year-old is entering the final year of his current deal. He will then sign an eight-year extension with the Blackhawks early next week, which will carry a $9.5 million cap hit. Jones registered 28 points in 56 games last season. He'll join his brother Caleb Jones in Chicago after he was acquired earlier this month from the Oilers in the Duncan Keith trade. Obviously, what what are your thoughts on him? It was a tough loss for all of us, but we're keeping his you know love going. Yeah, I mean that's that's probably one of the most shocking losses I've ever yeah. um, experienced and had to deal with and. That Tahoe trip was uh, was something else, and yeah. getting that was. I mean, I'd been going back and forth with them, similar to Princey, and you know, he he, you know, started texting me just individually questions and talking to him, and then we went to Tahoe, and like, you know, the, I still didn't really know any of you guys that well. Then we hadn't really had any. Yeah, you know, we're still we're still getting to know each still other, getting to know each other and stuff. But I think one of the, either the first night or second night there, we're all the whole team. I mean, there's you know, girls around the table and everything, and he just sits next to me, and me and him probably chatted, shot the shit for two hours, just. About life, where we came from, you know, families, 
everything. Um, and it, and and after that, it was just like, we were boys and, you know, I had no problem hopping on the phone with him, calling him, asking for something. He calling me, asking for things and, um, you know, all, you know, related to the show and working on stuff, but you could just tell he like, he really cared and made all of us and, um, and all you guys. I mean, that was kind of the first sign to me that you really made, um, all of us really feel part of the team. It was no one's more important than another person. Like we're all in this together. And it's, a, it was, the, that's what really gave us the locker room feel. Just the impact he had on you for such a short time. But I, I know how much he meant to you and how, how, you know, crushed you were and how much you miss him. Like me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Probably the, the worst part about it was, is me and him just like, just started hitting it off really good. Yeah. Like uh, when I first got brought on by you guys, I just talked to, to Oppy for the first couple of weeks and then, uh, you guys called me together and then I just got put into a group chat with you two. So I didn't really talk to Jimmy for uh, a little bit, but like I've said in the past, when I first got introduced to him, he texted me by himself right away was so fired up because I'm sure he loved just getting uh, social clips pumped out with <laughs> all of his goals and his fights and <laughs> or the fights that he'd like tried to fight. And I guess they felt so bad because I would post fights and he never won any of them. The <laughs> <laughs> so you never want to fight. I'm like, Oh God, but I got to post it. It's content. Right. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, him and I just, just started hitting it off really good. And something that really brought us close together was uh, our sons being born at the pretty much the same time. Like we both, uh, both had a son and my, my son, miles was born on May 1st and um, Mac was born on May the 4th. So, uh, Jimmy was one of the first people to text me at the hospital and I was one of, tried to be one of the first people to text him and he got back to me right away and we just started hitting it off from there and um, we spent a lot of time in the summer talking about our content out there and uh, he was always texting me back being like man like this is unreal what you're doing and uh, you know one of the last things he said to me was you're you're going to be a superstar in this league so um, I hope that he he sees that from above and sees what I'm doing with this and curfew and all these other things. And I hope, I hope that he's proud of me. So. Yeah, no, for sure. He is. And, and you know, he was right. Cause I told you, you know, right at the start, when we started working with you, I said, just stay with the fella. Jim's kind of one of those guys. People keep saying like, it's tough when you think about him now, it's, you know, with a smile or cry, but yeah. hopefully we can turn those to smile sooner. But um, yeah, was, but yeah. So when Jimmy first made varsity, uh, him and one other guy were the two by far youngest on the team. So just, uh, you know, being good older members of the team, we took him out and bring him to one of our buddies' place and or one of our friends' houses. And you know, we start playing one of the high school games, like uh, Kings. You guys remember that? It's like a card game or whatever. And uh, somebody grabs like the category card. Like, all right, favorite beers. And at this point, Jimmy had gotten a few things wrong, like so he's kind of nervous. But you see me sitting on his hands, like he's getting giddy. He's like, oh, I didn't know this one. So like, a couple go around, like Bud Light, Budweiser. And then uh, Jimmy's like, all right, Jim, what do you got? He's like, slush puppies and vodka. <laughs> and that's not a beer. He's holding different beers in his hands and everything. And, but um, <clears throat> that's just kind of the way Jimmy was. Like, If he thought he knew it, he couldn't hold it in. And he was always just kind of ready to go. But then uh, the other one was... Um, Try doing a podcast with him, by the way. Yeah, so, oh my God. so, so, and, and that's what makes it so great, right? Is that Jimmy just, it, it comes to his head and we, and Obi and I could let it see. We just, you got to let him roll. Yeah. That's Jimmy. Like you were saying down at Jimmy's wedding, which was amazing. And we had a great party after a day after everything. And uh, I just remember pretty tired the next morning, Sunday morning, I think you were taking off to Newfoundland or somewhere and everybody's heading out 
and it's like 1130. We're driving down the main highway and uh, my wife and I had just passed Jimmy's exit and uh, or the exit that he was checking out of and he was supposed to be getting on the highway. And the first rest area pulled over the side was his big white G-Wagon. He was taking a nap right away. <laughs> After his wedding, he couldn't even make it home. I can relate to that. I can relate to that. I had to pull over, come back from the cottage about a month ago. I'd have a little shutdown myself. So, yeah. Trochi, I owe you a lot of credit for uh, getting me paid. I got to play with you that one year in Florida. And I remember me, you, and Piers. Yeah, Piers. But the only problem I had with you was you couldn't fucking find me. You found me for 19 goals, but you couldn't find me for an empty net for the 20th. Dude, you know what? I tell that. I tell that story all the time. You remember that last game of the year? How mad. You were behind the net. They didn't want to dish it out front. (laughs) We were trying to get an empty net or two. We were trying so hard to get you the puck. Remember how mad Gerard Gallant got when we wouldn't come off the ice and Sean Thornton standing at the bench pushing us back out there to try to get me the 20th? I had had a lot of goes at it. Hazy, why don't you just tell the listeners what you're talking about? Like, because you had 19 goals for how many last? Was it seven? I think you had seven or eight games, games left. Year. More than that. I had, ni- and I had 19 goals. And I'm talking and was- after every game, you'd come to my house and we'd have a glass of wine after the game, and you'd just be like, "Fuck, am I getting paid this summer? I'm gonna get 20. <laughs> I'm getting 20 goals. Fuck, maybe even 25. I'm getting paid." And then it literally just bit you right in the ass. Oh, I just sat there and I missed the empty net like continuously for like that last week. And then we got to the last game and they actually called one of the goals back early on. We're playing against New Jersey. I got a goal called back and I looked at Wes McCauley being like, are you fucking kidding me? It's two teams out of the playoffs and you're calling goals back. And by the way, that was my 20th. But Trochi, Trochi was out there in that marathon shift that Gerard Gallant got bullshit about. And he had yeah, the puck behind happy. the net and tries to throw a no-look to Perry. He gets picked off, and I'm just standing in the crease waiting to tap this bad boy in. It was like a three-on-one empty net, and I still couldn't bury it. That's a good memory. I remember it so vividly, too. Oh. I remember the no-look, throwing it out from the corner, trying to find you. <laughs> I, I got to give you credit. You always worked hard to get me fucking pot. You had 13 tucks that one year. You had 19 Can tucks. Can we talk about early. you having 19 for fucking 15 games left and you kept talking about it? We're like, oh my hey, God. Up. I just wanted UC Yoken in to give me a handshake, say, welcome to the 20 Goal Club. I just never got that fucking handshake. So the 20 Goal Club is a good club to be in. And Jimmy Hayes in Florida playing with us, he was hot, boys. He Fuck. did not <laughs> miss the net. And he's on 16, 17. 18. He gets to 19 goals. Fuck, pretty much by the All Star break. How many? Games, how long? There was like seven games 19. left in the season. How many games left, Broadway? There was seven games left. Nah, there was more than that. No, because I there? missed the empty net the last five games in a row. Remember when? Uh, 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 Sean Thornton made me stay on the ice and the Gallant called the timeout and said I don't give a fuck about the 20th goal hey. you and Perry get your fucking asses on this bench you've been out there for two minutes I was like Thornton said I could stay out there I'm sorry that's because Thornton's a fucking great teammate oh he was that's the best exactly I came from the right. chains you stand at the door he's get back out there get back out there no, Jimmy, that's that's it. why that's why we love you. That's why guys love playing with guys like that. If we're stuck on twenty or or you know two kills in one night, we're looking for the <laughs> the guys are going to say, "Get back out there." It's Rick Rowley here. A shout out to Jimmy Broadway Hayes, former National Hockey League player and co-host of the Mission Curfew podcast. Off the bat, um, I want to say that. I was very crushed to hear about the tragic passing of Jimmy Hayes last Monday. Uh, I knew him for about a year now, and what I could tell you about Jimmy is that, you know, he was such a sweetheart, 
one of those lovable goofballs that you wanted to be friends with. And what I'll miss most uh, about Jimmy is, you know, his uh, smile when he was on the panel with the boys, um, you know, snapping it around, uh, hearing that laugh on there and just that happy Go lucky personality that he carried with them all the, all the time made you feel warm and special. And uh, Jimmy kind of gave me my first uh, holy fuck moment uh, when I when I roasted the the fellas on on missing curvy. He was actually the first national leaguer to ever DM me and you know tell me that he loved my shit. Alright, you fucking dusters. Congratulations on the missing curfew podcast. Boys, you should have made curfew a few more times. You fellas could have actually been inserted in the fucking lineup. First, we got Jimmy Hayes. Oh, Jimmy Hayes. Healthy scratch? More like healthy scraps. Buddy, your stats were like a fat kid's lunch. No apples. We want Kevin. Next, we got Scotty PTO Upshaw. Buddy, must been hard to rub one out when you had no hands. You couldn't rip fucking loose leaf paper. Why'd you go back to Pigeon Lake, Alberta and go for a dip, you fucking duster? And last but certainly not least, we got Shane O'Brien, the great puck-moving defenseman. Buddy, the only passes you made to your teammates were fucking Gatorade bottles. You spent so much time on the bench that I'm surprised that you and the backup Teddy didn't start the fucking podcast. Now, boys, hopefully you stick together and don't get traded another seven times in your careers. Congratulations, boys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rick Rowley 3. That's pretty funny, this guy. You follow, he's funny to follow on Instagram. He does some good shit. That was great. How many Rick. nose beers was he doing yeah. before? <laughs> yeah, I was going to Nose beer. Hey, oh, tell awesome. Rick to open up his eyes next time. Yeah. He wants to talk shit to me, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Rick, Rick, lay off the perks, bud. Yeah. Have you ever seen like a, a group of people um, come together like you, like we have for Broadway? No, never. I mean, <laughs> um, I didn't. You couldn't really tell how uh, Jimmy was the mayor down there. <laughs> You know, like I had no idea. I stopped in at that uh, Erie pub. Yeah. And he's got two jerseys in there, not one, two. Right. <laughs> yeah. And like I was kind of chatting the bartender, and he was like, Yeah, the, the Hayes family, and especially Jimmy, like they come in and it's like, it's a party. People want to go where they're going. So, I mean, we all were super lucky to know Jim. He, he whether it's for five minutes or like us, where his years, he uh, he changed us for the better, and it's kind of too soon. Uh, Piers, talk about the time we laughed about this the other day on text. But talk about the time we went to Scottsdale, and no one loved Scottsdale more than Broadway. No, no one loved Old Town and like getting ready. <laughs> oh, hey, pup. No, hey, no one loved Scottsdale like a good Scottsdale trip where the boys got to go to Old Town. You know, go to what were a couple of the bars down there that we oh, used fuck, to make? Bottle Blonde. Bottle Blonde. Cake. Hey. cake. That one cake. Night. Oh, oh, a cake. Yeah, cake. So, yeah, cake is the hip hop club. Hazy loved it. Oh, yeah. Um, so, so we get down there and we get like a, you know, a Saturday night game where we all get to shoot in for a night out and then you get the day off and then you, you know, might travel the next day. Well, you always got that. Yeah. <laughs> but I, fuck, we got in shit the next day. <laughs> Tell the story where we all went golfing the next day. Yeah, like we open it up and that's it. I'm 
pretty sure it stays open late there, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Three, at least three. At least. And it was like, I remember the sun's coming up and then it's like 9 a.m. tea time. Whoever planned that. And of course, it was like 110. And uh, the big fella, he must have had a heat stroke because... (laughs) Some, I don't know where he got. He had a bucket hat, but he also had like your the towel they give you in the carts, and he would soak it in ice water and just put it over his head. But like his pale skin, he oh, he got roasted that way. It was it was amazing, so, but he grinded through. He was like, ah, this this is golf. We're gonna do it. Yeah, anytime to be with the boys, he'd bounce. So I re- I remember like we basically so we get out the night before. And then we have this, you know, we have this golf outing and I'm talking it's everybody. Like we all go golf, but Hazy got roasted. Like he was, he was like Hazy FPS 50, buddy. Come his on. poor arms in the back of his neck and his ears were just completely fucking red lost. And he freckles, right? Oh, so the Irish, like, the Irish skin. He'd be and telling so, you at the tan. <laughs> the next day of practice, like I get the, like Dale, like kind of grabs me and is like, the fuck are you guys doing like you didn't get one night of fun enough and i'm like what are you talking what are you talking about we're in scott still we don't even play today and he's like look at hazy he's fucking roasted he's burned he can't even, he can't even <laughs> so, get him some aloe i'm like i know well fuck they didn't give the fucking they didn't give the sunscreen off the first tea box like i can't help that he got roasted it's uh, i had a worse experience when that that first uh olympic break I got. Uh, I went home and went back to. And it might have been a bye. Where, I forget what it was, but I went back to BC because all my boys were still there in school. I did the seven days there, and I'm getting ready to head back to Chicago on my way to the airport. Get a text from Tony Oman, the team service guy. Uh, we're gonna send you down to Rockford. No, Do you want to come back to Rockford? So I just turned around and went right back to BC for three more days. <laughs> oh, that's brutal. But at least you get to go back and party with your college boys. Yeah, I got a 10 days at home too. So I think it took me a little bit to get going. But the big thing I think during that uh, game six, and I, I mean, Obis, you probably loved it. And it's it's one of my good buddies that Kyle Palmieri hit on McAvoy. That was a fucking cheap shot, I think. And that and that that changed <laughs> you and the fuck, series. You and, Coo- you and Cooley, you and Steve Coolis should fucking hang out. It's you a think fu- every fucking. Every that was a cheap shot. Is- I mean, fuck. Well, Who cares? It's playoffs. Take the two. Yeah, fuck but there's like rules for a reason. And then McAvoy <laughs> went down like fuck he was yeah. fucking shot. I well, then like, he had on, he missed seven Come minutes. On. He misses those seven minutes, and then that's when the fucking wheels fall off. And no, granted, I don't think Charlie McAvoy's absence was the reason the Bruins lost. I think they were gonna probably get outplayed anyways. But that just goes to show you their depth. Like once you lose McAvoy, they didn't even know who the fuck to put on the ice. No, it's a good point. And there was people that agree with you on it. I thought, yeah, it was a shoulder to kind of the nose, which I guess is a really, I, I don't <laughs> That's, know, that's called a headshot. I thought McAvoy kind of sold it a little bit to and embellished it. And then I think he had to go to the quiet room because of that. I don't think he was as hurt. Is this my opinion? Think about what you want. I didn't think he was as hurt as he was acting. Definitely did, buddy. You sent me that message. I remember you looking at me and you go, do you remember when you sent me the message that you got a kid from Dorchester coming down and he's a, he's a great kid, unreal family. You're going to love this kid. Take him under your wing. I'm just, I, you shared that with me the other day, bro. And I was like, fuck man, that's, that's exactly what it was. It's exactly what his wedding was. And fuck, did we have a time there? We almost lit the fucking yeah. place on fire. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, there was a couple things that stood out like common threads from people's words, um, you know, at, uh, at the service and just the stories that we all shared, um, you know, in the time that we we're in Boston and the time that's passed since, uh, one of them is like, Jimmy always wanted to make sure that everybody had a good time. 
And that wedding, like that was the pinnacle for him. Like not only, you know, marrying Kristen, but getting all of these people in one room. And then for fuck's sake, I don't know how we fit everybody in one room at what I thought it was like a project X party where Jimbo (laughs) was just dancing on, on the kitchen counter. And I remember him singing Mr. Brightside. He grabbed the kitchen, uh, kitchen sink hose using it as a microphone, except he had, but he was just blasting the water everywhere. And, and we have some just unreal photos. Like it looked like, the, I don't know who, I, I don't know who's responsible for that security deposit, but I, hopefully uh, big sexy was lead counsel on terror in negotiations because the, the place almost went down right to the studs. Yeah. If you had a dehumidifier business, you did pretty well after that, trying to air out all the water that was in the kitchen. Bring me back to what, what it was like to meet a young you know, a young brother from, from Boston and just like your first impressions of Jimmy and what he meant on you. Yeah. I mean, I, Jimmy was a, a bit younger than I, almost 10 years. And, and so <laughs> I, I actually met him, I think for the first time with you on, on Las Olas, maybe, maybe the elbow room or the, or the place next door upstairs, the elbow room with those nice fire pits going. And I think Kristen was down that weekend and, and maybe a couple of his sisters. And I mean, we, we, we caught on like we were, like we were old friends. Cause that's just how Jimmy was. Um, you know, I think we probably stayed up way too late because both Florida and you do that to people. Uh, <laughs> Try playing but, hockey but for, there. But, well said. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Jimmy was a legend life character. I knew who he was, you know, you know, as a hockey fan. Uh, I didn't play hockey, but certainly a hockey fan and, and, and a friend of yours uh, and a friend of some other guys from Boston who, who had played hockey along the way. And Jimmy lived up to every every. every bit of what I thought he was. He was funny. He was kind. Um, he was empathetic. He was, uh, you know, he was in love with rap music and flat brim hats and, <laughs> and, and all the cool stuff, uh, city kids are city kids are in love with. So I, I was easy to fall in love with Jimmy. It was like meeting, meeting a long lost friend from home. First of all, we're playing shorthanded today. Um, our boy Broadway, Jimmy scoops had a baby boy. You got the, the numbers there in name. What is it? We are welcoming to planet earth. Mr. Mac Kelly Hayes. Mac, daddy. He's a big boy. He's eight and a half pounds. Mama's doing good. So shout out to uh, to Karis over there. It's uh, it's awesome. That's their second boy. And uh, I'm pumped for them. Happy for them. Another uh, another little genuine lad to uh, the Missing Curfew team. Yeah, we have to get some baby stuff for him, maybe. It's a Missing Curfew uh, merch baby style. And our boy, Princey Miles. Had a baby boy, Miles. Congratulations, you good Alberta butte up there. Um I'm lucky enough to have Big Daddy, who's been, uh, you know, he's been the the main force behind having two sons in the NHL at one time. And, I mean, that was the coolest thing for him. He loved uh, being able to come, especially when I played in New Jersey. He loved being able to take the the Amtrak right into uh, the Prudential, watch a game in New Jersey at 1 o'clock, get on the train, go back to New York City for the 7 o'clock game. And to me, uh, to him, that was the best day in the world. So I thanks, Dad, for always being there for me and getting me into the NHL. But the one trip we had, I think, uh, my dad got shafted a couple times because the Bruins did some mom's trips, but we and then when we did we the, did a mom's trip in Vancouver. Then too. when we wow. did the dad's trip, he ended up going to Carolina. So Carolina's a tough spot. But my dad, as you guys know, he's he's not a drinker. He's he's been sober for thirty five years. So he's one of those guys that likes to be the first one up in the lobby, and he thinks he's fucking Mister GM when he comes to all these team trips. Like he sits there and just shoots the shit. You'll see him right down there in the lobby doing his little thing with the, uh, the uh, front desk and then 
seeing what guys are up early and telling me like I'm obviously one of the later guys. I'm usually hung over. Look at fucking look at Chara. Chara's up there early. You got to get your ass going. But um, one of the funny things though was when we were uh, on the plane home, and of course, me and my dad, only two people sleeping on the whole plane. So I know Bolesky's got a picture. <laughs> got a picture somewhere that I got to get to Princey so you can start laughing. And me and my dad snoozing on the bird. But just want to say thanks to my dad for everything he's done for us, for both my brother and I. And you know, it's pretty cool that he had two kids in the NHL. Yeah, I got. I'm gonna follow you with that up. You, uh, I think my mom and uh, my wife Kristen here played a huge role. Uh, even Kristen with my professional uh, hockey career, but my mom obviously from when I started. But three girls that go unnoticed a lot in the Hayes household are my three sisters, who uh, they're the ultimate ride or die girls. They always had my back, and you know their vacations in the summertime were getting an eight-hour car rides from Boston to Toronto to go watch me and my brother play. So I just want to give them a little quick shout out for International Women's Day. What would we take from this? You know, like how could we ever? And I think it is that. As much as we don't know what we're doing about this podcast and, you know, how we were trying to figure it out and, and you know, life's stressful sometimes and you got a beautiful baby girl and, you know, we're trying to do other things. And um, I think the fact that the way Jimmy touched people and the way that we've touched people, I mean, I think that's what it's all about, fella. Um, you know, are we going to miss Broadway every single day? But he touched so many people and I think that's what we got to continue to do, buddy. Um so yeah, I think from this is one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. To have you by my side has made it a little bit easier. A hall, the boys. Um, we got to keep it humming. Yeah, we have to. Uh, we got to live each day, and I think, I think everyone would attest to this. We got to live each day like it could be our last, yeah. and we got to share moments and share laughter and share love with our family and our friends and our and our kids and and man it's this sort of thing is never easy so like you just said i love you buddy this has been the hardest thing i've had to do and i know a lot of people out there struggle in times and try to find answers to things that aren't really answer or don't really have answers for and and uh, the only answer is to to share love and be there for your buddy and be a very caring, genuine, funny, accept criticism, give <laughs> criticism, fucking just live every day like it could be your last. And uh, I'm proud to be part of this team, Obes. You're the man. Yeah. And, and Broadway, we love you, bud. Yeah, buddy. And to the Hayes family again, we're sorry for your loss, Kristen. Uh, stop. Scoopsy, rest in peace. <laughs>